So What is a podcast from The Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to So What? We are back in our recap series of our Philippian mindset, and this week we are talking about a servant mindset. So to kind of kick that off, the question that I want to ask is, what was your first job, and when did you have it? Oh, gosh. Well, for the longest time, I, my parents would not let me get a job because they they lived along the lines of, like, your job is school and grades, so get get good grades and you won't have to get a job. But eventually, I started driving, and I wanted more money. So I had to get a job. My, my first, I'll, I'll say my first two jobs were fascinating experiences. <laughs> Why I chose this as my first job, but I went and applied at like a at a, uh, a landscaping store. So like like a you know like at Lowe's or Home Depot, you got like the 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 section where you buy flowers. Like it was just a store just for that. Nice. Because I was like, I love the outdoors. You know, like let's work with plants. So <laughs> how did that go? I was like 16, 17, and uh, man, I hated every minute of that job. <laughs> Like watering plants was not as fulfilling as I as I imagined it being. So, uh, yeah, and my boss was you know it was his own personal store, so his you know his level of investment substantially higher, substantially higher than my <laughs> level of investment in the company. So, yeah, and then fair. my second job was th- the next summer, I worked for these two contractors that would do like home repair and home improvement, and man, I was at work at like five thirty a.m. And we like I was just the gopher. I was I was the go get this, hold this, you know, cut this. And I actually enjoyed that job more. But I, the the life of a contractor is one that is fascinating. We have a three hour lunch almost daily. It was fantastic. Sure, like they'd be like, let's go get this, and they would buy me lunch, and we just sit there. And so when 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 the projects don't get done like you want them to by the contractor, <laughs> it's because they got a long lunch. It might be the lunchtime yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How about you? Um, Mine, so I'm going to say my first two as well. So before, I think it was like 15, I got a job uh, doing preschool, like working with preschoolers. Oh, nice, yeah. And so I taught preschool for a while, which was a good time. It's great birth control, in case I was wondering, (laughs) because I did not want kids for a long time after that. They're very sticky. Um, I had a kid one time, I was teaching like four or five-year-olds, like they were too old, and she peed in her rain boots. Oh, gosh. So you can just kind of imagine the cleanup that ensued, and I was like, hmm, Pass. No, thank yep. you. Yep. And second job, I decided childcare. I was I was done with that one for a little bit. Was at a trampoline park and I did birthday parties, but my job title was party girl. So at 16, <laughs> that was a tough one. You were the party girl. That was what they're like, oh, the party girl's gonna do this. Party girl's gonna do this. Oh my gosh. And so what people heard it, they're like, oh, party girl. No, no. I was doing seven-year-old's birthday parties, cutting cake in a polo. It was not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so those are my first two jobs. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a good That's time. That's good stuff. So kind of going on that, those were probably not the most fun jobs for either one of us, and they require yeah, serving, serving a little bit people of a humbling. Hard. Yeah, it's a humbling, humbling Children, experience. birthday parties, contractors, flowers, yep. what have you. Mm-hmm. So kind of going off of that, do you want to just give a recap of kind of the series that we're doing, yeah. kind of what we talked about on Tuesday night? Well, so Philippians, you know, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And one of the consistent themes that you see in Philippians is this idea of think or mindset mm-hmm. um, that because our our behavior and our our lives start in our heads. It starts with a thought. It starts with a worldview and a belief system. 
right? Our behavior comes from what we believe. We don't, we don't get behavior and then believe. Like we have a belief and then from that we live our life. And so one of the themes that we see uh, Paul talking about is this idea of mindset. Um, what does it look like um, to have a mindset that is uh, Christian? And so we've covered a couple of different eternal mindset, citizenship mindset. And so in Philippians 2, one of the most famous passages in the New Testament, we see this idea of adopting the mindset of Christ. And the, the words that you see here uh, in, in chapter 2 uh, through verse 11 is a servant mindset, um, that we are not here to serve or to be served, but to serve. And, um, you know, one of the lines in here is that although existing in the form of God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself, assuming the form of a servant. And so we just talked about the, the fact that the greatest sacrifice, um, the greatest act of service was for our salvation. And so that's what we talked about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really good. So before we kind of launch into the rest of the podcast, I'm just going to read that section of scripture quick for those that weren't there. So, a lot better than my words. Let's just read God's words. Come on. <laughs> so Philippians 2, 1 through 11 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to be the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Boom. Mm, so good. One of my favorite passages. It's a yeah. great one. I mean, it's just it's, the, the, the humanity of Christ in this passage is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's unfathomable to think about the move that Jesus made from being God to putting on flesh and the confines of humanity. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's incredible. And it's just kind of one of the basic tenets of our faith. Like verse five, adopt the same attitude or your version may say mindset as that of Christ Jesus. Like that's, that's what it means to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. To take what is not naturally ours and make it our own. Take his mindset and make it our own. So it's just, it is, it is a... It's just one of those really rich passages mm. in the New Testament. Absolutely. And just beautifully written as well. Yep. Um, so in verse two and three, it just talks about making a uh, polished way complete by being having one mind and one spirit in Christ mm -hmm. Jesus. And so one of the points that you made on Tuesday that I really enjoyed was that a servant mindset cultivates spiritual unity. So what does it look yeah. like to kind of cultivate that in our lives? Well, yeah, I mean, you see in in in, in chapter one, and then it ble he bleeds over into chapter two, and it's all very communal language. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in chapter one, verse 27, he's, he's saying, contend together for the, the sake of the gospel. Um, contend for the faith. And then here, he's, you know, he's talking about, hey, make my, my, uh, my joy complete. And my, my way of saying it is like, by being unified in the mm -hmm. spirit and in purpose. So what was your question? How do we cultivate How that? do we cultivate it? Yes, how do oh, we cultivate it? Oh, man, it, 
it is hard to cultivate mm-hmm. because everything in our lives, personally, everything in our lives in culture is the opposite of unity. We like, we yes. give a lot of lip service to unity. Like, let's be unified. But man, as soon as unity presses on our individuality mm-hmm. or our personal freedom feels um, it's about to be compromised, then unity goes out the door mm-hmm. real fast. Well, and it requires a level of humbleness that most of us are just not comfortable yeah. with because yeah. unity requires like, okay, this is what I want. Those are bets for everyone. So to put that aside, so yeah. I think that's what they're not really comfortable with. And also I think too, even though you're saying we give it a lot of lip service, but it's something that's hard to walk out. It's so important because I think all of us at some point or another, if you've been involved in church, have been hurt by disunity in the church and you yeah. see the ramifications of the mm-hmm. damage it caused. So you're like, okay, like this is why Paul is laboring this point so much because it matters of how we bear the image of Christ so much. Well, here, here's here's a way to think about like when you think about church hurt and people getting leaving the church or, you know, whatever it is, th- this is a thought that I had come to my mind was I've never one time in my life been offended or hurt by someone's humility. Mm. Not one time. Like just thinking about why does why why do people get hurt? Why does unity not happen? Well, it's, it's because of selfishness and pride. That's why he says have nothing to do with selfish ambition. I would I would be willing to bet that if if you dissected hurt, it will never come from humility. Mm-hmm. That someone was humble towards you, that someone considered you above themselves. That's not offensive. No. It's just not natural. And so mm-hmm. how do you cultivate it? I think it's a, it, it's a constant cultivation of choosing humility. And it's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. It is not glorifying. Um, but it's the kind of thing that God honors and God glorifies humility. What did he do? Uh, in, in, in verse two or uh, chapter two, he's saying, hey, this is who Jesus was in the form of God, but he took the form of a servant, mm-hmm. right? And then was a, he goes, therefore, he has been exalted. So the exalt, exaltation in God's kingdom comes from serving and humility. Exaltation in our culture comes from pride, arrogance, achievement, being better, you know, walking all over people and having the power. Jesus saw his power was not something to be grasped or exploited, but instead to be used. He used his power and his privilege to serve. Mm-hmm. That is an upside down worldview. Yeah, we don't see that. No. Like, One of the lines that you said that I really enjoy <clears throat> is that we cannot be proud followers of a humble savior. We and try a, though. We, oh, we try so hard. We're like, <laughs> we try. Jesus, do you see all the stuff I'm doing? Isn't it great? Like, do you see it? Mm-hmm. And so I think just kind of like a practical side of that question is a way to cultivate spiritual unity is to cultivate humility by doing small things. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times we think about being humble in the very big areas of our lives. Yeah. But what we fail to realize sometimes is that doesn't happen when it doesn't happen in the small areas as well. So yeah. like- this is something that you're working on, practice like with your friends, with your coworkers, and well, very think, little I, I, things. A, a good filter question, I think I mentioned this on Tuesday, I can't remember, but is when was the last time you walked into a room or went into a situation thinking, like consciously thinking, what can I do or say that will benefit someone else? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm honest, I'm walking into a lot of things like, how can I benefit from this? How can I use this to my advantage? Mm-hmm. How can I walk out of here with the advantage? Like one of my favorite stories of parenting, and I understand probably people listening to this, you aren't parents yet, but you will someday probably. And and that's just my life. And so the, sorry if, the, if these don't land, but I think this will land. I've got a lot of kids and I have one daughter. And there was a season where she was just claiming unfair, unfair. You, I, you, you, you treat the boys differently than me or better than me. 
And so I was like, man, that hurts me. So like, let's talk. Why do you think that? And as we talked, um, it dawned on me that she doesn't want fair. And I asked her, I was like, do you want fair? Or what do you really want? And she, and to her credit, she was only like seven or eight, nine years old. She thought about it and she said, no, I don't want fair. Because what I said, fair is I will treat you just exactly like I treat them. So you'll no longer have your own room because they share rooms. You will not get, you know, and we went down the list of what fair looked like. And so she realized, I don't want fair. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you want? And she said, I want the advantage. I love I the like, honesty. Man, that's it. Mm-hmm. We don't want fair. We want the advantage. So what, what is this passage saying is how can we cultivate a mindset that says, how can I give other people the advantage mm-hmm. that I, I want? Mm-hmm. Because that that's what, it, you know, when he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consi- consider others more important. Mm-hmm. And so a good way to cultivate it is not just gritting your teeth and be like, oh, I'm going to be humble today. <laughs> it's maybe just asking the question in today, in this situation, at my job, at home, with my family, on this date, whatever it is, how can I speak in a way that gives them the advantage? Mm-hmm that benefits them and has, does not necessarily benefit mm-hmm. me. Because I think that starts to get us in the mindset because that's what Christ has done on mm-hmm. the cross is he came down, put on flesh, lived our life, was beaten, betrayed, tricked, and crucified. For his advantage? No. no. For our advantage, for mm-hmm. my advantage, that I would be redeemed. And so that's why I love this passage. It's not like, hey, do something that Jesus hasn't already done. It's not like, this is the mindset of Christ. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what he did. Well, and I think in order to do that well, something important to note is in order to give up the advantage, you have to know that you don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you have to know who you are in Christ and mm-hmm. what he has done for you and believe it and live that out before you can live a life of humility. Well, and that's where you see Jesus, like Jesus knew exactly who he was, mm-hmm. right? Like the baptism of Christ is such a powerful moment. Because as a, as a kid, I, like I was always looking for my parents' affirmation, right? Yeah. And when Jesus was baptized, what happened? The, the, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and remained on him. And God the Father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. From that moment on, Jesus knew this is who I am. Mm-hmm. So therefore, my identity is secure in Christ as a Christian. So therefore, I can go give serve. Up the advantage. Mm-hmm. I can give up the advantage because I've been given a wonderful advantage through Jesus. Mm-hmm. So maybe I don't get the glory. Maybe I don't get the advantage that I want in this earth, in this situation, but that's okay because I follow our savior who gave up his advantage yep. and it was for my good. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So kind of going off of that, another thing that I think is really countercultural that we talked about is you had a line on Tuesday that says our culture celebrates self-worship. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like and how could we be countercultural? Because I think it's a little bit sneakier than we think. Well, yeah, I, th- I think that, I mean, I, it, 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 this is not rocket science. <laughs> like you look at our world, it is everywhere. It's just about you. It's about me. You know, like that's just, it's not even our, I wouldn't even blame culture. It's just the brokenness of our humanity. Mm-hmm. Like you could go to anywhere in the world and selfishness is our default. So when it comes to this idea of um, worshiping self, I just think that's how we wake up every day. I don't think it's like this some nefarious, like I am worshiping me. 
it just happens. Mm -hmm. Like we just live our lives in a way that says I'm sitting on the throne of my life. And so therefore I'm going to live in such a way that is honoring of that throne. You yeah. know, um, we see, you know, like terms just that are, that are really well-meaning, I think kind of describe it in a sneaky way, self-care, self-love, um, you do you, right? Favorite saying. Oh, but like, I do that all the time. Oh yeah. Like you do you? Yes, I do. I push news every morning and I eat unhealthy because I want to, you know, yeah. and I, and I, I get angry and let my emotions out of control because I want to, it feels good in the moment. Like, so I'm not casting aspersions like, I, well, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this, like, that's the worst part of being, mm -hmm. being a pastor is when you prepare a message, you have to work through the message on your own before you give it. Mm -hmm. And so that's so you're at the stage already convicted. You're like, well, oh man, here we are. Like, I'm just going to welcome you into my conviction. You know, now we're all here together. How do you teach God's word without out allowing it to interact with your soul? And mm -hmm. so it's just, it's just a very sobering, I, I'm not answering your question. I don't even remember what it was. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, I mean, that's fine. You answered it. We, 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 we do. We worship self and to follow Christ is the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And that's just a difficult thing to do sometimes. And I think a way to just kind of pivot that mindset is like you were saying, it's an intentional choice every day when we wake up. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, like I am not serving me today. Yeah. And I think sometimes as Christians who are kind of farther along in our faith, it's really hard because you think, oh man, I should have gotten this by now. Like yeah. I shouldn't be this selfish anymore. Oh, yeah. But that's our pride speaking, by the way. Oh, always. It's not a, it's not a humble thing. No. To have, well, I should, I should be better than this. Like what? No. Like says who? <laughs> Jesus said, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. Right. Yeah. So we can expect the sanctification process, we can just expect it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, again, like when I've got one kid that thinks every time they try something for the first time, they should be great at it. And I'm like, it's where me. does that, I do that come as well. from? And so therefore they don't try a lot of things because they're like, I'm not going to be good at it. I'm like, what? Yeah. And so it's just this idea that um, we wake up with and we have to, to reset ourselves. That's why being in God's word every day is really helpful. That's why we surround ourselves with, we, we always encourage our young adults, get around community, people who can do this with you because you can't do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And that confession piece is really, really helpful of confessing, yeah, I I do worship self. I This is who I am. Because mm -hmm. if we don't know where we're starting, we don't know how to get where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> like if you want to go on a road trip, you got to have a map and you got to know where you are to actually plot out a a, a, a a destination and a, and a journey. And that's where community helps is mm -hmm. having other faithful believers watch our lives and listen to our, our words and our intentions, and our attitudes. And so that they can give little course corrections if need be, or they can give encouragement and say, man, you're doing it. I'm seeing it. That's one of my favorite conversations with our young adults who have been around for a long time. I was like, man, let me tell you how I've seen God move in your life. We've got several guys in our ministry that I've met with recently that I'm like, I am so excited because I have seen a total transformation in the last four years. Mm -hmm. This is who you were four years ago, and this is who you are now. Like that kind of encouragement, we need it. Yeah. We need it because otherwise we don't, we're just like, am I following Jesus? Like, I don't, I don't know. So that confession being known and that encouragement. So yeah, it's good. Kind of going off of that vein is like, how can we, besides encouragement, know that we are living in this humble stakes. I think it's really hard, mm -hmm. like you're saying, like when you're by yourself, like, okay, like, am I doing this? Am I not? Because for me, I'm my own worst critic. So I will never think that I'm yeah. doing enough or doing it well. Yeah. So kind of how can we know that as a litmus test, not for prideful sake, but like, man, like, am I living committed and submitted to Christ in this way? Well, I mean, 
So the question is, how, how do I know that I'm serving? How do I know that I'm living according to God's will? Is that like in a servant mindset? Like, how do I know that I have that? How often do you think about others? That's the first thing that I think of. Mm-hmm. How often are you thinking about other people's needs? And if it's not very often, then there you go. <laughs> then they're dancing. I mean, like, I'm just, and it, it's, it is demoralizing when mm-hmm. you first start thinking, like, how often do I think about other people? It's not very often. The only mm-hmm. time I think about other people often in my life is how much they annoy me and how much they're, <laughs> they're messing with my plans, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> how dare you? I just think that's, it starts in our mind. Yeah. Like, it's that mindset of, how often am I considering other people and their needs, what they could, what they could use and benefit from right now, mm. versus this is what I need and this is what I can benefit. So, and it's, it, I promise you, it will be an uncomfortable realization, because I think it's really easy to think, yeah, I'm I'm a nice person, but why am I nice? Yeah, probably for my benefit because it's going to make things easier for me. Versus I'm just going to. Be I don't nice care. For the sake of being nice. Yeah, I'm just going to encourage you. I'm going to champion you. I'm going to celebrate that achievement for you. You know, I think about social media does this really well for us. As we see someone else have a success, or they get to go on a trip that I wanted to go on, do I celebrate that for them, or is my immediate like, ugh? Why not me? Why not me? Why am I, I can't afford to do that, man? You, like, why are you shoving that in my face? Like, versus like, man, good for them. They get to go there, or that they got that promotion, or they they got on, they're in a relationship. Fantastic. And so I just think it starts looking at our mind, like how often do I think about other people's needs might be a really good litmus test to kind of say, hey, how's my attitude? Is it the attitude and mindset of Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, one of the other things that you said on Tuesday was just that having a servant mindset imitates Jesus and how we have to adopt the mindset of Christ in order to cultivate this servant spirit, this humble spirit that lives and acts in obedience. Um, so I guess my question is in that, in that vein, you said, um, are we a follower or a fan of Jesus? And that's very much lived out in our actions. And so there's kind of this tension between, okay, like adopting the mindset of Christ, becoming a follower of Jesus versus just being a fan of Jesus. So kind of how do you bridge that gap? If you're like, oh man, I'm a fan of Jesus. I want to be a follower. How do I well, it, I think it's pretty easy to tell if you're a fan of Jesus because one, it's really easy. Jesus is really easy to be a fan of. Like, I mean, love, grace, forgiveness. Like, it's all, yeah, let's go. That sounds great. <laughs> I'll take some. But I think I'm a big sports fan. I shouldn't say a fan. I just like athletics. I don't really have teams. I just really enjoy, you know, the, the, the whole the whole thing, the competition. But there's a term called a fair weather fan. It is really easy to be a fan when your team is winning all the time. But there are certain people that when their team starts to lose, when their team doesn't do what they were hoping, it doesn't give them the feeling at the end of the game that they were hoping for, and it ruins their weekend, right? Not that I've been there before, (laughs) but um, then you start to not be a fan of that team anymore when it becomes uncomfortable. And so that's where I think the follower of Jesus starts to make the distinction, is the follower of Jesus is also a fan of Jesus, but when it becomes uncomfortable, when it becomes difficult, do we abandon ship? Mm. Because for a f- sports team, you know, like we, we, you know, we're in Oklahoma. When, when the Thunder were really good, man, it was great. Everybody was on. We were buying T-shirts. We were having watch Jerseys, parties. Jerseys, all the things. And then all of a sudden, two of our best players peace out on us, and we're not good anymore. That was a sad time. And I can tell you, I haven't watched a game since. Oh. I haven't gone to a game since. 
I haven't bought any merchandise. Why? Because why would I invest in something that doesn't do something for me mm-hmm. that makes me feel a certain way? And I think sometimes we do that with Jesus is, well, it doesn't make me feel the way I want to feel. So therefore, maybe you're just a fan. Following is, okay, so he gave up his advantage for the sake of me. Mm. What does it look like to give up our advantage and then doing it and then considering others and doing it and following through with the conviction, with with the instruction. It's that action element. Yeah, it's that. So fans, yeah, fo- fans don't have the action to follow up. They only have action when it's convenient and, mm-hmm. and beneficial to them. And that's not what Jesus did. So to, I don't know if that makes sense, but I just think yeah. followers are also fans. Fans are not always followers. Correct. So I think that's the, that idea of like when, when things aren't good, when things aren't easy, when things aren't convenient, what where's our faith then? Mm-hmm. And man, that is a that's a hard thing to work through. Um, marriage is similar. It's easy to be married. It's easy to date when things are going great, right? When things are not good, because that's what dating is, right? You're just a fan of somebody. Right? You think <laughs> they they look nice, they smell nice, they make you laugh. I'm a fan. But then all of a sudden, some things happen. You're like, hmm, I don't know if I'm as big of a fan anymore. So we're going to end this. Right, like it's it's a very similar. It's not perfect analogy, but it, it works. Yeah, follower of Jesus means follower of Jesus is he leads, I walk after, mm-hmm. I imitate him. And it's that word like just <clears throat> obedience. You said something on Tuesday that I really enjoyed was just that obedience cultivates humility, and I think a lot of times we don't view those as correlated. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, I'm just going to be humble and just pursue others and think of no. others first. But <clears throat> it's very closely tied to being obedient to the Lord. Because if you're not obedient to the Lord, it's often a sign of yeah. not being humble. I think my plans are better. My ways are better. I want what I want. Yeah. So just- Well, he sa- it says right here in verse uh, verse eight of Philippians two, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Mm-hmm. Like that was the how. How did he be humble? Obedience. I just think that like, how do you do that? Well, you buy by doing this. Mm-hmm. So obedience- is a constant process of laying down our life, laying down our agenda, laying down our opinions and saying, God, you shape them. Mm. And that's a humbling thing to be obedient. And we also talked about just the idea of humbling yourself before you're humbled. Oh, man. It's the worst when you're humbled. It's the worst. I was going to say, like, I don't know about you, but I have been humbled. I'm like, okay, well, that just like a slap across the face. I'm going to do what you want now, God. I almost told this story on Tuesday. When I was in fresh out of college, I was dating this girl from the camp I worked at. And um, we were, I was going to go grab lunch with her and her family. They were in town. And I made just, I mean, it was just the most humbling, humiliating thing was I was, I really liked this girl. Um, and so we got to lunch and I sat next to her and her dad walked over and was like, I would like to sit by my daughter, please. Oh, okay, sure. And I was like, oh gosh, this is, this is not going well. You know, like. This is a tough start. <laughs> like, that's it. Like I, I got humbled instead of just saying, you know what? Uh, I'm going to let her parents that are in town to visit her. I was like, I, w- I want to sit by her. So I'm going to, you know, I did not give up my advantage. Mm-hmm. It was taken from me. And yep. that was a humbling experience. <laughs> you said, okay, sure. Yes. I mean, you can get a lot more, you know, hardcore with being humble, being caught in sin, being caught doing something wrong. Those are all mm-hmm. humbling. It's much healthier and better to say, hey, this is who I am. Yeah. I know this, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to humble myself. Man, that's, that's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus did. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so my last question, just is a little more practical, is who have you seen like in your life model humility really well? Oh, like to follow as an example. Like who's someone in your life that you're like, man, like they are just so humble and they do this so, so well. I mean, there. I, I would say I've got a, had a couple mentors in my life. I won't use their name because no one, no one knows who they are. But just watching the way that these men have lived their life, like they are successful in the business world. One of them specifically that I think about, but you would never know it. He, he doesn't flaunt it. He just loves Jesus. And when he, when we meet, he is peppering me with questions about me. You know, he's not bragging like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. You, you need to do this. And like, there's just, I saw, I, I've got a couple mentors. Um, I think my wife, uh, Taylor, who many of our listeners probably know, she models it to me all the time through just who she is, but also just through motherhood. That is a humbling thing. And she does it without complaining. Um, she does it willingly. Um, not, I mean, she's not perfect, but man, just to watch her humble her, she's way smarter than me. I mean, way smarter than me. Um, yet she has chosen to say, hey, I'm going to give up probably what she could have done very successfully in a career is that I'm going to, I'm going to raise our family. So that's been incredible, uh, humility. Um, you know, we got, we got a, a guy on staff here that I know he's the smartest dude in whatever room he walks in, but he never makes you feel that way. He, he's very engaging and, you know, but I'm like, I know you're smarter than me. Like, you know, way more than me. So I don't know that mm-hmm. I don't need to use a bunch of names. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to hurt their humility, uh, by making him prideful, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's just no. well. It's something that I love about everyone that you mentioned, and it's every way that they've shown their humility was a way of showing love towards someone else. Yeah, it, like wasn't it was about a way them. of giving up their advantage, like whether they're the smartest person in the room or whether they could have done X, Y, and Z, or they mm-hmm. could have bragged about themselves, or they could have made themselves look better. They instead chose to lift others up around them, which yeah. I think is just a really good litmus test to how we're treating others in our lives. Like when you're around your friends, mm-hmm. your community, people that you work with, like do they feel edified and lifted up by you, or do they feel like they've been dragged down or compared to. Well, you think about who you like to hang out with. Mm-hmm. The people that you probably most enjoy hanging out with, if you really want to know why you enjoy hanging out with them, my bet is humility. Mm-hmm. I, we don't like being around me monsters. That It's all about them. They only want to talk about themselves. They want to one-up you. Like We don't want it. The people that we want to hang out with and be like are people who are humble, who are in kindness requires humility gentleness requires humility celebrating other people requires humility and i think about all those people that in my life i'm like yeah that the 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 common thread is humility because they're considering me mm-hmm. right and just you just start thinking about the kingdom of god if everyone in the kingdom of god like one day in revelation when he, god makes jesus makes all things new this is it is you don't have to worry about you anymore because other people are worrying about you yeah and they're caring for you and they're and that's the whole one another's. And she's like, man, that, that does sound pretty great. Mm-hmm. I, when I talk about people who are getting married, we walk through the one another's like, what, what if your spouse did five of the one another's really well, just supernaturally? It, they didn't have to work at it. They, they were kind. They were forgiving. They were caring. They, they um, were encouraging. Like just those four things. If you could marry somebody that was those four things for you, sign me up, man. That yeah. sounds great. Some of this is really good encourager, cares. Uh, he's kind, like, yeah, okay. So, because all of those require humility. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good. Marry a humble person. Boom, there you go. That is, man, 
Any other remarks, thoughts before we go? Oh, I just, I just, I love this passage. It's just clear. It's not mean. It's just, it's not like, hey, follow Jesus, idiot. You know, it's just like, no. <laughs> there are those in the Bible. Here's what we do. Adopt the mindset of Christ because he has already done this for you. Mm-hmm. And the amount that he has humbled himself is nothing compared to what we would have to do. Yep. So I just love that the Bible's like, hey, Paul's like, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Love it. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us and we'll see you next week.